you may have seen today's guest without any clothes on. <laughs> today's guest has been on the show Naked and Afraid for several different seasons. E.J. Snyder is today's guest on the Manlyhood Mancast. Men, nobody but you can lead your family and yourself to greater things. Nobody but you can carve your path. It's time to rise up and be a man. Welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast with Josh Hatton. Hey, welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. I'm your host, Josh Hatcher. Guys, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast, but interacting with us in the Facebook group and on the social media channels that we've got. And I just want to ask you guys a favor. Uh, let's take some time, and if you like what you're hearing from us at Manlyhood, I want you to invite a friend to listen. So share this episode or one of the other episodes that you've appreciated. Let's share it with a friend. Let's see if we can... Uh, hit a million downloads. I think we're not that far off from that, so let's make it happen. Guys, today's guest uh, is really a real treat. He's been on the television show Naked and Afraid for several seasons, and he's he's doing some amazing work, not only in teaching people survival skills, but also in teaching people how to pull strength from themselves. And yeah, great guy. E.J. Snyder, uh, is he's he's doing some great work. So I want you to go and make sure you check out his website. It's linked in the show notes. But before you do that, let's tune into this great interview with E.J. Snyder. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. E.J., it is so great to have you on the show today, man. Uh, been looking forward to this interview. We're going to have a good conversation, I think. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. Uh, I, as soon as you reached out, you know, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, uh, I checked out what you got going on. I'm like, man, let's let's have a conversation. Let's let's see what we talk about and see who we can inspire and motivate. And so uh, I, I'm ready. I've been looking forward to this all day. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I, uh, it's it's kind of humorous, and I think you'll appreciate the humor. We've started watching some survival shows that we watch usually in the comfort of our <laughs> of our king size bed at the end of the yeah. night while we're fighting on the covers to stay warm right and you know and like the worst i think hardship we've been through lately is that the heater downstairs stopped working you know uh -oh. and we're we're like oh That's no a crisis situation <laughs> yeah yeah no we're like definitely not going through the crazy stuff that you put yourself through so why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell about some of the crazy, awesome things that you've been uh, privileged right. to do. And remember, nobody's coming to save you. It's all on you. So if you're cold in bed, you better go downstairs, turn the heater on, get you some hot cocoa for the wifey, and uh, snuggle up. To I would recommend, of all survival shows, Naked Afraid. And I say that because I'm most known for my six legendary appearances on Naked Afraid on I'm E.J. Snyder. I am a 25-year Army combat veteran, Gulf War 91, and then went back to Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2004 for 15 months. Uh, highly decorated combat vet, ranger, drill sergeant, ranger instructor, and survival instructor. I did 25 years in the Army. I'd serve it all over again. No need to thank me. I'd, it was my honor to serve you and keep all you good people out there safe and free. Uh, and so towards the end of my career, before I went in the Army, I had a dream of being on TV. I, my mom even asked me when I was 19, what are you going to do when you grow up? 
I'm going to be an actor and a stuntman. That's a terrible idea. You'll starve. You'll never make it. I'm like, but you're my mom. You're supposed to hug me and tell me it's okay. And the next day I joined the Army. And so I went full circle. And towards the end of my career, I was in Hawaii. And I started doing acting stunt work, doing tech advising from a military perspective on a bunch of different uh, TV shows and movies that were filmed in Hawaii. And uh, you, if you like the TV show Lost, you may see this guy in the, with the flat top, clean-shaven, camouflage on his face. as one of the freighter boat mercenaries. And I actually started out as a marshal, but later on that, I became Redfern of that series. And then I left uh, Hawaii, and I came to North Carolina where you know, I retired at. And um, I started teaching at the Sears School, uh, which is the Army's Survival, Evasion, uh, Resistance, and Escape course where we teach Green Berets and other special soldiers how to survive behind enemy lines through, uh, you know, through wilderness uh, survival, primitive skills, modern survival skills. We teach them how to do uh, E&E, escape and evasion, how to hotwire cars, pick locks, uh, how to avoid capture, crawl through small-ass sewer pipes, which is no fun, not for a big guy like me. And, uh, and then I moved into the resistance lab where I actually um, was playing – in a role play situation with the students, an enemy guard, an interrogator, and some other folks that they had to practice what we uh, taught them. And it was a lot of fun, but I was still had that TV itch. And so I was applying for a lot of reality shows, Survivor being one of the big ones. Um, I was a finalist for that show. Granted, I grew up in New Jersey and I'm a Giants fan. They replaced me at the last minute after making the cast with Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboy football coach. So that was like a slap in my keister for sure. And my name just started floating around with the casting directors. And then soon after Discovery Channel found me, recruited me to uh, try out for a show called Dual Survival. And that's with the uh, most known as Cody, who walks around barefoot. He's the barefoot bush hippie. And uh, Dave Canterbury, they were the original two hosts, and um, they were uh, actually looking to replace Dave. So I went and tried out with four other uh, military guys. Uh, they picked another guy over me, and they said, but you've got a lot of great survival skills. You're tenacious. You understand TV. We've got a new survival challenge that's really extreme. We think you're going to be perfect for it. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the middle of Tanzania, Africa, buck naked with a strange woman I didn't even know. And uh, I had a knife, she had a pot, and we had 21 days to figure out how to survive Africa and get on a helicopter to get out of there. And that was the pilot episode exactly, uh, let's see, January 2024 will be 11 years to the date when we filmed that. Hit TV series now, folks, if you haven't watched it and you're not traveling, most people find it while they're traveling and they're in their hotel room bored and they hit the Discovery Channel and then you see a naked butt run across the screen, that's us, so... Check it out. It is the extreme mountain of Everest survival challenges. It's very real. I've got 206 days in total out of six challenges, never tapped out, and even speared my right testicle in the swamps on day 27 and hung out another 33 days to make 60 days. I'm known as the godfather, naked, afraid. And then um, I did go back and host season nine of Dual Survival, a show called Mount Masters, and developed First Man Out with Ed Stafford, a British survival adventurer and he races uh survivalists all over the globe so with all of this here i am before you today i am also known on social media as king of the one minute survival tips check me out on youtube and facebook at ej snyder and any of my other social medias instagram the x clapper and tiktok at ej snyder 333 boom sorry for the long intro but 
I will be 58 in a couple weeks. So when you live on this earth almost six decades, you got a story. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so there's so much to unpack there and so many crazy questions I've got for you based off and of I that. I love them all. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about spearing your testicle. <laughs> what happened there? How, how did How did that oh. even happen? So what happened was they decided to send 12 of us of the best of the best, the legends, into the swamps of the Atchafalaya Swamp Basin in the end of fall, beginning of winter, in the swamp. Not such a great place you want to be in that time frame. And we were, to, we were the first time ever to survive the group 60 days. So that was the test. And so in we went. I started out with two female partners. Um, we were on what I called Moccasin Island because there were so many water, water moccasins. We were just tripping over them. Uh, we ate a lot of them. You didn't see that all on the show, but we were eating moccasins pretty much every other day, several of them. And uh, my two female partners were very small, very thin. And when the cold got there, they it was just too much for them. So uh, they both wound up tapping. So I spent um, two weeks by myself. And it was a lot of work. So I've got a great shelter thanks to them. We built a nice bomber warm shelter. I'm, you know, processing water, no problem. I got to chop all the firewood, keep myself pretty sustained, but I got to eat too. So that was starting to tap into my, my uh, ability to all those tasks to, to go out and get food. So I was having some drop lines in the, the channel where I was at, but they had these green lilies like a blanket of, of a carpet over the water. So the fish weren't really coming up to the surface. So I thought, they like going to the opening, so why don't I go right here by my shelter and I'll make, a, I'll make my own pond. I'll make it 50 yards wide by 100 yards, and I'll fence it in with a corral. So I'm corralling all these lilies to make this open pond. So I corralled the right side, made a fencing, pushed the lilies back, did the same thing on the left side. All I had left to do was the lilies way out there. I had a get them pushed out. I had a couple floating logs. I'm not the most agile guy in the world, but we had this nice large willow tree that fell over and it was like a, like a snake. And I was walking along it with my stick and I'm going to move the rest of these lilies and show them who's boss. Well, at the end, I was about 12 feet above the water and I get to the end of this log and all the producers like, wait a minute, we're going to put the drone up. We're going to get some more cameras on this. This is, this is great. But notes to me, not eating a cheeseburger for 27 days, they saw what was coming. And so at the end of this 10-foot stretch of the last part of that tree, there was like a six-foot log at the end, and it was broke off. And I was like, well, that looks kind of dead, but eh, I think it'll hold my weight. So I get around the one main branch, and I chest the weight with my one foot. I step out with the second foot, and my plan is to lay out on this branch and move the rest of the lilies. Well, I took one, two steps too many. Crack, crack, crack goes the log. Into the drink goes EJ. And that stick I was using to, to, to push the lilies out of the way was stuck in the, in the water. And I speared my right testicle in two places on that. Into the water I go. I come out covering myself up. I'm like, oh, my God, that hurt. I don't know what the hell happened. So I took a little peek see, and I didn't see a lot of blood. And I knew I tore something, though. And I was like, well... At least I count two boys there, so at least I know I have them, but I didn't know how bad. But then the cameras are rolling, so I go right back into E.J. Snyder. 
lots of bleeping, lots of cursing. You swamp, you try to castrate me. I'll show you who you want a war. I'll give you a war. God dang, try to castrate me. God dang, dang, for wah, wah, wah. So I'm like, calm down, and I keep walking. The camera guy's following me. I'm like, where are you going? Well, I got to see. I got to follow you. I got to film this. I'm like, hey, man, I'm going around the corner to go to the bathroom. You can't film me going to the bathroom. You know the rules. And all I was trying to do is get around the shelter so I can get a real look at what happened. And when I looked at what happened, I could see inside my testicle sack all the gadgets and things. And I'm like, oh, boy, really, God? You couldn't have had an alligator come up and just bite my left hand off to send me home something cool? I, I tear my balls? Come on. So I caught my breath. I said, I can handle this. And I went out there, and I looked at the producer and said, hey, I, I messed up bad. I got a problem. But tell the executive producer, Dave, you call him right now. Tell him I'm not going anywhere. So they called Dave. Hey, Dave, he's not going anywhere. He's okay. I sat down on a log, and I was like, all right, tell the medic to get up here. Called the medic. Tell her to bring her stitch kit because I just screwed up and I pulled up. I uncovered myself and they all like turned white. The, the the audio lady starts puking and I'm like, hey, come on, guys. It's not that bad. I'm over here sitting. You're making me feel bad. And the medic turns the corner. And she's like, oh, EJ, what happened? Well, I, I'm going to need a stitch or two, Anna. And I show her and she's like, oh, my, oh you're going to need more than a stitch. So they had to fly the emergency nurse, and it took them an hour to get her there. All the time, I'm looking up at the sun, watching it getting ready to set, knowing that the cold is coming. I had no firewood. So she's, they, they, they pull out a needle, and they get ready to numb it. I'm like, what are you doing with that? Well, we're going to numb it. Well, the hell you are. That's, you're not going to stick me 10, 12 times with that. Just start stitching. It's a loose sack, honey. And if you can't do it, give me the needle, and I'll do it. So she started stitching. We got done. Um, they gave me an option to tap and go to the hospital. And I was like, that's not happening. So they put out a nice tarp for me to be feeling very comfortable on the, the cold, muddy ground. And then she said, we get done. And she said, okay, you got three things you got to do. One, you got to keep it dry. In I'm swamp. in a swamp where it rains. Okay. Got it. You got to keep it clean, covered in mud, laying in mud. All right, cool. And you got to take it easy. You can't do any physical labor. You got to spend the next 10 days just sitting. <laughs> okay, is that it? Yeah, help me up. And then I hobbled off. I said, I got to get fucking firewood. I'll see you later. <laughs> and, uh, and that was that. And I spent another 33 days in the swamp. Uh, got 12 stitches in the, in the gonads and uh, didn't bat an eye. And uh, it was about. I was there for a mission, and the mission was 60 days, and I'm not quitting, and I'm not going home just over a little tear in my sack. Uh, uh, I'm not a candy ass sitting on the couch back home like other people letting life pass them by. I came out for to suck the bone marrow out of life. That's exactly what I was going to do, and I had the mindset to do it. And the last thing was, I'm EJ Beep Snyder. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's just kind of how I roll. And the thing is, I, and I say it a lot jokingly, but the thing I never saw, thinking I'm going out naked with a knife to do something pretty cool the first time, the thing I didn't see coming was all the hundreds of thousands to millions of people now that have been inspired by watching me and my actions, how I carry myself with other people, how I handle tough situations, how I get through them, how I don't quit, no matter what comes against me in adversity, how I just apply that to even in my everyday life and just keep going. And, um, you know, I, I, I've got a generation of Xers with me 
that they see me as their their guy representing them out there still doing it with people that are half my age and i've inspired people of all ages younger and old and um and for that very fact where people say hey you go out there you're taking years off your life i say on the contrary i'm adding years to my life but what i do and by through the spirits and through nature and um and and motivating others to just get out there and just be outside or fight cancer or whatever it is, Alan, just getting rid of a substance abuse problem. And uh, I can't tell you how many messages I'm humbled by that I get that people said, hey, I was sitting there one night with a nine millimeter in my mouth getting ready to smoke it. And because of you, I'm still on this earth. And that's not my credit. That's for the good man upstairs. I'm just the messenger. And, um, you know, I'm humbled by that. You know, I don't take that lightly. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. I don't think I'd ever want to be in that situation uh, <laughs> where I've got to. I promise to keep know. the rest of my answers, Josh, shorter. But <laughs> no, that's that's the right. Well, I, I have you on the show to talk to you, so I want to hear your perspective on things. Anyway, people listen to me all the time. Okay. It's good to hear from you. So, so what do you think is, you know, you talk about that that never quit motivation. Where does that come from from for you? People ask me all the time, how do you prepare mental toughness? How do you shape mindset? And I think it can be trained to a degree, but I honestly believe your grit comes from what you've gone through in life. So whatever your challenges are that you have suffered through, um, I, I embrace chaos. I embrace those challenges because the good Lord throws me in stormy waters because he knows I can swim and he knows my enemies can't. And so going through those stormy waters, those tough challenges, ever since from getting bullied as a kid, getting picked last for sports, that's a cause and effect. There was a cause, and the effect was, oh, I don't like getting picked last. This kind of sucks. I'm going to learn every sport that there is, and I don't care. I don't want to be really good. I don't want to be excellent at any of them. I just want to be good enough not to get picked last. And I became an athlete through that mentality was I just didn't like the feeling of not getting picked, uh, getting picked last. It sucked. It meant, you know, for me, it meant, Oh, you're, you're no good. You're terrible. And being a, a, as a young man, uh, my parents divorced very young. My father was quite aggressive at times. And, you know, for me, it meant that was a feeling I just didn't like. I didn't like not being accepted. I didn't like, failure that stuff that stings in my craw i never liked that feeling since since i was probably five years old and a lot of times i was a bad sport not a good sportsman but um i used that fuel to fire myself inside to propel myself forward i'm getting bullied by six kids i'm getting bullied by a pack of bullies i can't just get one i gotta draw six well that's no fun i'm a stick man i'm a little skinny guy i'm tall but i'm skinny well, let me start boxing. My stepdad teaches me boxing. Let me start learning wrestling in high school or in school. It wasn't high school, but middle school. Uh, and then my friends who could afford karate classes, I couldn't. I was too poor. They'd come back with taekwondo or jujitsu or judo or aikido or, hey, teach me what you learned today. And I learned all that stuff. And it built the confidence in me that when that day came and I had to stand up to that pack of bullies, I picked out, well, I was picked out the biggest one, figured I'd make an example out of that one, and maybe the rest would scatter. That was my plan. Not a great one, but, 
You know what they say, you all got a plan till you get punched in the face, and then it changes. And uh, I was going to confront this guy, and then I got shoved from the back by the head bully, the head of the snake, and thought, well, if I take the head of the snake off, uh, the rest of it will follow, and it will fail. So, uh, And I don't condone fighting. I tell people all the time, uh, you know, I was an MMA-type fighter before MMA was called MMA, but I boxed, and I did all those things. And in, I've been in a lot of combat, hand-to-hand fighting, but I've never thrown a first punch in my life, but I've thrown a hell of a lot of last punches. You know, outside the ring and, and, and combat, you know, those two excluded, you know, I always preach, try to be an orator, try to, to communicate your grievances first, and an act of violence to defend yourself is okay. But never try, I, I always preach, never be the aggressor unless, unless you have... Hamas coming in your backyard with a whole lot of weapons. Aggress away. You have all my, you have all my permission. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, that yeah, that aggression there is still defense. When you you know, if you're going to be the first yeah. punch, you be the first punch because you see it coming. You know, totally get you. Yeah, I, I grew up in a similar situation, man. I was bullied, uh, and had to fight like every day from sixth grade to eighth grade. You know, and and it was a yeah, it was wasn't fun. Yeah, and. uh you know, until I got to be where I was strong enough where they left me alone. And then, yeah. you know, figured out, and then the other end of it is when I figured out who I was and what I liked and what I was good yeah. at, then my confidence started to grow. Then I wasn't the easy target for the bullying. It didn't affect me the same way it did before. So. Yeah. And, and, and being under that constant fear and fire and the dread of going to get on the bus because there's bullies on the bus, there's bullies waiting for you when you get off the bus. And to have that going on, like I remember I was on the bus. And my dad, my stepdad bought me this hat back in the day. It was a kind of a flat golf hat, but he bought that for me. We didn't have a lot of money and he bought that for me for my birthday and I had it and I'm wearing it. And then this female bully who run the bus, she was an eighth grader. She was running the bus, grabs that hat and pull, goes to the back of the bus. So I go back there to confront her and say, hey, where's my hat? And she throws it out the window. And then she pushes me back to get away from her. You can't do it because I was getting in her face. I don't know, I just cracked, went off and popped her in the face. Bloodied her nose, probably, I don't remember breaking it, but I know it splattered everywhere. And I hit her a couple more times, and they're like, hey, you can't hit a girl. That's no girl, man. That girl, I'm in sixth grade, that girl's eighth grade. She's, she threw my birthday hat out the window. And then this, that's what her mom had said when we were in the principal's office. I was like, well, she shouldn't have threw my hat out the window. That was not right, and she got what she had coming. And my mom was like, well, he was just defending himself. If he gets suspended, he gets suspended. But, you know, you're right. Those situations aren't fun. And I can't imagine what poor kids go through these days with social media and all that going on. Mm. Well, you know, I I actually talk about this sometime on the show because I feel like we had the advantage when we were kids in that, you know, we Gen Xers. I'm on the tail end of that, but I'm still an Xer. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We had the tail end of that where it was before Columbine when everything changed in school politics. And yeah. you know, it was the theory was you, if there's a bully, he needs to be corrected. And part of a kid's development is learning how to stand up against that bully. Like they all understood that. And right. they didn't step in and stop it unless somebody was going to get hurt. And yeah. then they adopted this zero tolerance bullying position. Right. And what they really mean is, if you fight back now, if you're a kid and you fight back, you are in the same category as the bully. 
You know, yeah. a kid throws a punch at you and misses and you counter with a punch. You are a bully. That's how they're defining yeah. it. And so these kids, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm neither an advocate for violence kind of the same way in you, that you're saying, you know, yeah. I, I don't think that fighting is the best way to solve these problems, but if you take away a kid's right to defend himself, you're going to yeah. get a kid who, who is, who never learns to overcome it. You know, the kids yeah. just get smarter and, about how they bully, you know? And it, it goes to a deeper thing in my opinion, and it's my opinion, a deeper problem within our country's fiber and thread of demasculating society that alpha males are a threat to society. When, if you look at every society all the way back to Neanderthals, alphas, warriors, was what kept the community and the tribes safe and kept things uh, in order. And they'd rather all of us be beta males with our thumbs in our mouths uh, with pink eyelashes or whatever else they want to do that day and say that's the flavor of the day. Um, and it's not good. And now they want to define me as a toxic masculinity type person. And it's like, you know what? Fine. Find a cure for it. Because I grew up with certain grit. I'm not going to change. I'll be considerate of others to a degree. But I have a big problem when you're trying to weed out our warrior society uh, through these, like you talked about, these terms and policies that you can't defend yourself or something to that degree. And like I said, I'm not promoting people to go out and be violent, but evil and violence is all around us. And if you're not prepared to handle it in one way or the other, whether it's you deal with it one-on-one -on -one, straight up and it's in a violent manner, or two, if I can't discuss it, which is the preferred way, and work it out, then three, I've gone to avoid it in a smart way because some fights just aren't worth getting into. And, uh, you know, better off to live and fight for another day. And that's not being a coward. You're just, you know, you got to be aware of your situation. If I'm in a vehicle and I've got loved ones with me or, you know, my daughter or somebody, I have to take that in consideration about what my actions are going to be because the cause and effect could cause my daughter not to be on this earth if somebody gets stupid and pulls out a gun. All right. So I make another, make, make a better choice uh, for that situation. But it's about, and then another problem we have is um, the decision-making process for people is they get overcome by fear or the situation and it cripples their thought process. Now, when you're firing a firearm, they call it the OODA loop. In the military, we, we would think in milliseconds, making life or death critical decisions in milliseconds, which is extremely, you know, lightning fast. I applied that to my survival ways out there in the wild and in my everyday life. So millisecond thought process using the OODA loop to process very complex information situations very quickly and make the right decision. I'll tell you, it saved my butt more than once uh, to making the right decisions. So. So OODA is an ac acronym, right? I, I, it's observe. What's the rest of it? Uh, put me on the spot. <laughs> OODA is uh, observe, orient, uh, discern, and action. Something like that. But uh, and, and I'm like I say, I, I don't teach shooting so much anymore. But and I should know it, so I apologize that I don't. But it, it, you know, I, when I hear OODA, I know I just known it for years, and I know it you know, what it means. And it's, and it, it, to explain it better, when you're practicing dry firing, grabbing your pistol from your holster, wherever that might be, 
to putting it on target. If you're coming up against an enemy, they're saying that that should be executed within three seconds. That's the time it takes for you to think, oh, bad guy, grab pistol, put it in firing mode, aim, shoot, go. Okay, target's down. Uh, I've We try to get that in half, 1.5 seconds still. The faster you can do that in that process means you get to let the other guy die for his country and, and be in his glory versus you in a bad guy, good guy type scenario. Um, so if you apply that to other things in life, oh, there's a car coming directly at me. I've got to turn my steering wheel to avoid this collision that could cost us all our lives. So it's a good thing to practice and understand, and it's not easy. And there are there are exercises that you can practice your brain to work better, you know, but we, we don't practice our brains enough because we do too much of this and we get Burger King answers right away as opposed to problem solving. You know, now schools want to have a class on problem solving. But before, it was just incorporated into your math problem with all these different, there's six cats in the tree, seven dogs over on the curb, There's uh, and there's some food under inside the tree hole. Who gets it first? <laughs> do the math, you know. Um it's it's really sad the way and in some ways not sad but in some ways where our intellectual advancements and technologies are for convenience and better faster services and it makes us better in some ways i feel they handicap us and a great example is go to a camping trip on the weekend have everybody take their phone shut them off put them in the glove box for three days Trust me, you, you won't go into convulsions, you won't have a heart attack, but you'll reset your body clock back to nature. It's better if you can do it for five days, but three days is a good taste of it. And when you get to three days, you'll be amazed at what your body has done with its clock and reset itself, reconnecting back to not really just nature, but the universe, or God, as if you wish to call it. And, um, you know, it's kind of a good thing. Remember that day where they were having that uh, FEMA emergency broadcast going on? Uh, my phone was shut off and put in a uh, Faraday bag for the day. And it was a nice day because I didn't have anybody emailing me. I didn't have any problem. You know, just me and the dog hanging out for the day. It was a, it was a great day. I took my son out to lunch today to celebrate his birthday. and Oh, happy uh, birthday. My, yeah, my, my phone, he's 22. And my phone went off like I had three phone calls and 10 emails and several text messages. And I'm just like, you know, I have my watch. So it goes up on my watch when I get them. And it felt really good to just ignore all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was a part that you got to get back to that. You got to answer that question. You got to figure out what's And I'm like, no, I'm here to set, to be present, you know, to pay attention to my, yeah, yeah. to have a, a, a good hamburger and some French fries and enjoy his company for the hour that I have with him today. Yeah. I, uh, I have purposely not got the Dick Tracy watch cause I know how I am. I'm, I'm OCD. Comp- I'm, oh, I gotta, I gotta answer it. And I know how I would be. Uh, but I, you know, I do have a watch as a timepiece, but I, it's just, uh, yeah. I, plus I'm a, I'm a brute. So I'm sure I would smash it and break it like 10 times over. Uh, I, my phone in itself, uh, I just bought the new one and paid whatever, a thousand bucks for this new Galaxy thing. In this, in the month of September, going start four days in, I cracked the phone because I'm a brute. 
I'm out in the woods filming with the phone and everything. I crack it. I can't wait for T maybe to ship me one. I've got to get one now. So I went to the fix-it place for 400 bucks. They fixed the glass. I'm like, well, I can't not operate. I can't read this this particular phone right now, and I can't wait for a new one to come in. So let's just go. And then I was like three weeks later, I did the same damn thing, and I was like, oh. I've already paid for this phone twice. Another 400 bucks. All right. Let's learn, Snyder. Third time's a charm. Let's not do that. Let's figure something out. But th- these new cases, remember they used to have these otter boxes back in the day. Right. They were bulky. But you never you had a had a protective like plastic cover on the front, dustproof, waterproof, and you never broke a, the glass. And these new ones are curved. These new out of box cases they got they're just terrible. They don't they don't protect the phone. Yeah, well, that's they don't the goal. Anything. If you can protect yeah, it, yeah, keep right. it running longer, you don't need to buy a new phone. So yeah. that's why they do what they big, do. Yeah, big pharma, big tech. They're all, it's all a racket. Yeah. yeah. You remember, you remember, I don't know if you remember these, but Casio came out with these like practically indestructible smartphones. G-Shocks. Yeah. And they had smartphones and flip phones. And man, like, I'm pretty sure I ran over mine with a car one time. It didn't even bother it. The yeah. only problem was it, like, it didn't, ha- and you could pull the battery out to turn it off back then too. Yeah. And then you, you know, that, that was, that was the best, but. Yeah. They stopped that battery and, and the way you can get at your SIM card, they stopped all that. So you couldn't like. You know, not be tracked by the government. Did you get that NSA? Did yeah, you hear me? They're listening. They're. Li- I'm sure I'm already on their watch list because, oh, because yeah, I think I've it's a good thing for a man to be a man. You're in good company. You're in good company. <laughs> so, uh, wow, we talked about a lot in that couple seconds there. So tell me more about, um, you know, the, the idea that you that you mentioned when we first started, that no one's coming to save you and it's up to you. Uh, yeah. How do how do my listeners apply that to life? Okay. Uh, what you want to do when and then what that term means is you want to be self sufficient for yourself, and you know it's like with your own happiness. Nobody can make you happy but you. You and I and me and all of us are responsible for our own happiness. We can go on our own journey. People can be walking alongside of us on our journey, but nobody can join our journey with us. And so with all of that thinking, you're responsible for you. Yes, you have a wife or kids or whatever. They got to be responsible for themselves too. Now, teamwork makes the dream work. So we work on doing things in units. It's always better when you can get community or tribe together to do things. Because if I hit you with just this little finger, it's not very strong, but if I take the team and I ball them up together, we're much more powerful. So this isn't about those things. Those are all good and there's safety in numbers and all that. But for an individual, you want to be yourself self-prepared. You want to make sure you're mentally fit. You know, you're practicing your mental exercises. You're, you're always thinking you're, when you go outside, you're situationally aware of all your surroundings, you're just not asleep at the wheel, as they say, or sleepwalking. You have a clear mind. You can, and there's ways of doing that, and your overall health is part of that. You know, eat right, lots of high, lots of water, stay away from your vices, you know, alcohol, coffee. I throw no stones in a glass house. But, you know, you try to do better than you did the day before, and you get yourself healthy because before a survival situation happens or something like that, we used to say this in combat. There's a couple of things you can take care of. Your overall health, 
Take your vitamins, your supplements, eat right, lots of fruits and vegetables. Uh, stay away from the out, the inside lane of the grocery store where all the processed food is. Try to eat as organic as much as possible, farm-raised food, and you'll be amazed at what it does to your body and your mind and your overall health. You can take care of your health now. You can exercise. You can be in shape. You don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to be a world-class swimmer or weightlifter or fighter. But do something every day and do a little bit more every other day after. 20-minute walk in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. Heck, my 78-year-old mom wears me out walking. She's doing 6,000, 7,000 steps in the morning, same thing in the afternoon. I'm like, I'm walking with her. I'm like, Mom, can you slow the pace down a little bit? I'm, I'm not quite the uh, road marcher I used to be. But she inspires me to, to, to do these things. Just because she's 78 and she's like, I can't just stop moving. I got to keep going. So, you know, physical activity, get yourself in shape. That's how you keep yourself, yourself as mind, body, and spirit. Whether you believe in God or not, whatever you, you might be a spiritual person. You may do yoga. Every day I pray and I meditate for about 20 minutes and I sit in silence for 10 minutes. I do yoga. Yoga is something new in my life the last five years. And it's immensely um, what it does for my spirit and, and lining all this stuff up. Because when we are little, humans are little antennas on this earth. We're, we're little receptors and we're, we're spiritual beings and the earth is alive, whether you believe it or not. And so when we touch the earth, a lot of times I do it barefoot and I put my hands on the earth and I just try to ground myself after I'm done meditating and praying every day. I start my day that way and I end it that way. And I try to touch the earth with my bare hands and bare feet as much as possible. Because I, again, it goes back to the, put your cell phone down. You'll be amazed at what that does for you. So when you're preparing yourself, you want to take care of yourself. So you do that mentally, physically, spiritually first. Then you do the other things, get some training, Prepare yourself for the things that you think you need most. You may be against firearms. That's your prerogative. I don't, you know, I'm not going to agree with you on it. That's your choice. But you have a right to defend yourself. And the Second Amendment is your right. It doesn't mean you're a violent person. You're just, you know, somebody's going to show up your, at your door and you want to have equal force against equal force. If they show up with a gun and all you got is, uh, what do I have here? Oh, I have got a baseball bat. You already given them the advantage. So I'm um, taking care of yourself and your loved ones is about not being a getting on the on the political fence of well it, I don't like firearms or this or that. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter about being alive or dead. You got two choices. Which would you prefer? Um, and so you prepare yourself through training, self defense, firearms, whether it's some fighting, learning how to have um, non lethal means to defend yourself if they come at you non lethally. You know, things like pepper spray, um, uh, tasers, you know, rich, you know, expandable batons, you know, because you want to keep yourself safe. So you're prepared for you. If you think of things in worst case scenario and you prepare for them, then when nice things are going on around you, it's, it's a little easier to breathe, I say. Get yourself some training. You don't have to be a world class survivalist to take care of your family. What we learned in the pandemic is that out of 100% of people on this earth, 90% of them bugged in, meaning they stayed home, 
They didn't go anywhere. They went into a total paddock fit because they didn't have any toilet paper in their cupboards. Toilet paper is overrated. A nice washcloth that you can rinse off and clean. Throw, you know, it works just as well. So if you don't have toilet paper, folks, it's not the end of the world unless you mentally make it that way. Uh, I'm kidding, uh, somewhat. But my point is, 90% of the world stayed home. The 10% that bugged out, 5% of them, they just bugged out to go somewhere else to bug in. Family, friend's house, somebody's house, or some other place they had set up to survive that situation. There's about only 5% of people on this earth that can pick up a pack, put it on their back, and head out to the wilderness for real and be able to be okay. And so because of that, my website's ejsnyder.com. I set up a... Uh, I have a bunch of video guides. There are two tutorials. Some of my friends, uh, I I have their videos there. I have my own videos there. But I did a video called the Ultimate Bug-In Home Defense Guide. So you prepare your home in the easiest of ways to cover your survival and your family's basic needs. Everything from shelter and security, food, water, um, fire in the form of whether it's cooking, uh, staying warm, um, and then... Uh, communications, how to navigate, meaning knowing how to read a compass or just the basic map of your neighborhood so you know where your neighbors are. Oh, three doors down is Mr. Stevens. He's actually a doctor. Oh, I might need a doctor if I get hurt. You know, knowing your community, knowing the skills that everybody within your community have to help out, uh, trade in kind. And then lastly, again, is one of the pillars of survival is community, uh, what I like to call tribe, because Communities exist. A lot of times they're not very good about helping each other out. But if you look at it from a tribe mentality, tribes were in existence where everyone mattered, the old, the young, everybody came and did what they could do for each other. So I really like the word tribalism more so than community. Um, and then there's, you know, someone's got to be the leader and you got to be a follower and teamwork and all that. But that video, I'm getting ready to publish it as a book next year, but it's the ultimate bug in and home defense guide and you can get the video it's not very expensive but it'll get you in the basis for getting ready for what we talked about no one's coming to help you not the cops they're going to be too busy trying to keep the bad guys on uh, out of the city um and you want to self-sustain and be okay and then if you have to get out in the wild you get blown out of your house because the bad guys guys come knocking you have to have a plan for that if it's a vehicle if it's horses if it's a bicycle what are you taking with you and are you ready? And that's when you really got to bug out. You got to have that ready too. Then you go over and I've got the ultimate, uh, I've got my survival outdoor skills series. Because COVID, they told me I got to stay home. Come again. I'm not good at being locked down. I don't play well in the house. So me and my son went to the woods for four months. They said, you can't go to the national parks. Uh, they're they're off limits. It's It's COVID. The fat park ranger ain't going where I'm going, so I'll see you later. Me and my son went to the woods, and we filmed this series. It's 11 videos. It's about 14 and a half hours of good information, everything from the core four of survival, shelter. I got three videos on shelter, food, fire, water, one each. I do a two-part on tips, hacks, and tricks of survival. It teaches all kinds of cool things. Then I do a two-parter on tips, uh, tools, tr- uh, tools of the trade, so knives, hunting stuff, those kinds of things. And then to wrap it all up, I do a knife-only survival scenario over a five-day period where I put myself out there with just a knife 
and show you kind of how you can take all you learned and put it to, to the test. And so another great investment for yourself, and I don't call it a cost, I call it an investment. For you and your loved ones, you can either stream it, get a thumb drive or a DVD, and you learn. And now this isn't an infomercial for you to get, for me to make any money. I could care one way or the other how much I make because every money I make, guess where I put it? I put it back in the fund to help out veterans. So I don't make anything anyway. So you'll help out a few veterans, but you'll help yourself out more. And I did those two particularly because I wanted to help people. I wanted them to have something that they could get. And then, like I said, my friends are over there. We've got an escape and evasion video. We've got uh, the uh, ultimate bug in bag. Just a bunch of friends of mine that, you know, have those videos made for good folks like you have here, Josh. And so I don't know if that answered the question, but it was a hell of a lot of dialogue. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. And it's I think it's really good that you're taking the time to to take the things that you have learned, right? The skills that you've honed and then say, okay, I'm going to help other people with this. And that's awesome. And I think it's important. It goes back to tribalism, you know, in, in our, in our, in, back in the days, we didn't write things down or we put it on the cave wall or whatever, but the stuff, the skills that everyone learned these skills, everyone learned how to make a fire in the, in the, in the community, in the tribe, everyone learned how to hunt. Everyone had to learn to get water and fix shelter and do these things and it was taught by hands down, you know, grandma taught the mom, the mom taught the daughter, and these things get taught and passed down. We don't have that system anymore. So this is my way of, of doing just that because it's documented. It's going to be in paper. It's in video. And again, like I said, if you go to my YouTube channel, I'm king of the one-minute survival tips, hacks, and tricks. I mean, I'm putting them out. Hook, we were putting them out every, every day for a while. And then football season happens and we adjust. But uh, and then my Facebook page got uh, my fan page got hacked. But we're, we're hopefully getting that back in the next couple of days. Then we'll ramp it back up. We'll because you know we we put it out on every platform. So because some people like Facebook, some people like Instagram, others like YouTube. It's about reaching the masses. You know, I went viral back in May. Who thought me taking a glass bottle I found in the woods? Because nobody, everyone thinks, where'd you find the glass bottle? Well, they're out there, pal, and, and we yeah. got a lot of litter bugs, and one man's trash is another one's treasure, but I'm going to teach you how to save your life. And I put palm water in that bottle, and I boiled it in the fire. And you get all the smart butt comments, you know, trolls. Oh, gee, I didn't know how to boil water, blah, 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 blah. But the point was I taught you another way of getting water purified for you to drink and another method if you don't have a filter system or, or you don't have the right container, and it boiled. But for some reason, 3 million people thought that was the coolest thing on a Thursday night. And I thank you. <laughs> it's it's really fun to uh, see the way that, that social media and short form video has kind of changed the dialogue. Because you can take yeah. something like that, that just, just a simple little fact, you know, and the next thing you know, 3 million people are seeing it and talking about it. And, and if half of them are on, not even half of them, if a fifth of them or less are on there complaining, oh, well, it just shows it to more people that need it, you know? Yeah. And then I'll do things like not to be controversial or not that I'm on one side or the other on the Bud Light fence, but I will just introduce a Bud Light aluminum can and throw it or dump out the contents in it and call it useless or whatever. And it's, you know, I got the can helping out a mom and pop shop and Bidenomics Times who are struggling and I'm supporting them by purchasing something that's on their shelf that's not going anywhere. And I'm going to find some use for it. 
And all of a sudden, it's like you get all the different sides. You get the Karens, you get the trolls, you get the this, you get the flag waivers. It's like, wow, how divided we make ourselves over something as stupid as a can. And I didn't really, you know, I'm like, well, you know what? You are here watching, you're commenting, you're, you're, you're actually putting coins and say, oh, you wasted your 10 cents. That was terrible investment. You just wasted 10 cents. I'm like, hmm. I invested 10 cents. I put it on the video to educate you and you're watching it and you're back commenting over and over again. So that means you're watching the video over and over again. Cause that's the algorithm doesn't realize you're either watching it or not. Right. And right. now you're making a lot of dollars go into my account that I can help <laughs> a lot of veterans with. So thank you. I appreciate it. So the internet's uh, a crazy place, man. People are funny. <laughs> well, EJ, uh, I've got a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Yeah, let's do that. And I think it'd be kind of cool to hear your perspective on these things. So, EJ, what does it take to be a man? Um, I think what it takes to be a man is, one, being comfortable with yourself, knowing yourself, understanding who you are inside and what makes you tick. Once you have that, then you need to understand that a man, you know, we're on this earth regardless of what people want to say, uh, chromosome X and Y and all these other things, you can't change nature. There are males and there are females on this planet, complementary to each other as God intended to support each other. Now, I'm not saying I don't like to see strong women. My daughter needs good role models too. My son needs good role models. There needs to be strong women. If women are out there being lionesses, good on them. Because let me tell you something, there's some fierce women warriors out there, and I'm sure don't get in between a mama bear and her two cups. And that's a good thing. And we want our women to be like the Spartans, be fighters as well. But when we're just talking being a man, for me, a man, you know, you, you're responsible. You're a protector of those around you that you love, protector of the weak that can't defend themselves. You respect your elders. You stand up to be a role model. You try to be... You know, walk in a way that you walk the walk. When you come down the street, people are going to know that's a man. That there's no confusion. It's it's the way you carry yourself. And you do that because I'm old-fashioned. That's the way I was groomed. You know, through, through my dad, through my Boy Scouts, through my culture, being a warrior and a fighter and an athlete. And, and, and I think all men should be responsible unto themselves so that they can be responsible onto others. And that's being a good role model, being a good dad, you know, being there for your kids when they need you most. And many times, you know, a man admits when he's wrong and he makes amends for it when he can. A man can shed a tear when it's appropriate, you know. I'm not saying be a crane puff, but real men cry. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I don't make mistakes. I try not to make them again and again. I try to learn from them. I try to always be better the next day than I was the day before. And I always hold counsel with myself regularly. I get up in the morning. I do my prayers, my, my uh, uh, meditations. I set my intentions and my, um, my uh, attentions and uh, the words running away from me. But my aspirations for the day. And then account for myself, and I'm going to try and do these things, and, and, and walk a certain way. And I'm going to my word is my bond. I'm going to hold my honor with myself, and if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Never, no empty promises. 
the end of the day, I make an assessment with myself after I've prayed and I meditated. What went right today with me? What went wrong? And not in terms of, did I get that big deal? Did I land that deal? No, me. How did I treat others? Did I treat others the way I want to be treated? Was I kind? Or was I, an, was I quite frankly, an a-hole that day? And there are times where I have been an a-hole, and I've got to acknowledge that. As long as we continue to acknowledge these things, our successes, our failures, and we adjust. We don't let them overwhelm us. We don't go crawl in the sack and oh, 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 get all depressed. You know, th- those are all negatives. Try to always stay positive. When you bring negative energy into your world, it's going to mess a lot of other things up. So if you can keep most of the negative out of your life and keep the positives going. And, and, and I look at people and they say, oh, you lost. And then say, no, I never lose. I either win or I learn. I take negative connotations out of my vocabulary because the universe only knows words, one words, singular things, and actions. So if you bring in negative or you talk poorly of yourself or ill of yourself, you're you're going to bring that on yourself. It's going to be attracted into you because, again, remember, on this earth, we're little antennas, little electrodes, and we're going to send out signals and get signals back in. And then when you say bad things to others, now you're putting it out in the, there in, in, in the environment. So when you say bad things about others, I feel, my opinion, that you're breaking yourself down because that's just going to be floating out there and you're just tearing somebody else down for what cause, you know? It's not bringing any benefit to them or yourself. And trust me, there's a lot of people out there I'd like to bend their intent and break it off because they did something and then I think, and, then, and that's not the right way to be thinking about that, but it is an emotion and it is okay to have it. And as long as you recognize it and hopefully don't act on it in some bad way, because I've done that too and I've paid the price, because um, we're human. We make mistakes and know it's okay to make mistakes. If you get knocked down, know you're okay. Get back up, dust yourself off, smile, and try to step forward better. Because when we were kids, Josh, we drank out of garden hoses, we ate mud pies, we stayed out till the street lights came on, and we fell off our bikes and skinned our knees, and I think we turned out okay. Yeah, we survived. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. EJ, that's an awesome perspective. Next question for you, man. Let's say you're able to go back in time and visit young EJ, he's 10 years old and mm. you have the opportunity to tell him something. What do you want to tell him? If I went back and I would tell him, uh, I would tell him, listen, you're going to have a tough, there's going to be a tough go of it, but I want you to enjoy that ride because someday you're going to be 58 years old. Think wishing you were 10 again. And to get back on that horse and ride that horse the same exact way again, because I wouldn't change a thing in my life because it's made me who I am. And so the way I moved through life was for a reason. I started here and I had to get to here. And while I'm here, I'm maybe not fully developed to where God wants me to be, but I'm at where I'm supposed to be at this moment in time right now. And I'm here because it was purposely laid out for me to be there. So if I go back and talk to 10-year-old EJ, I'm just going to slap him on the shoulder and say, son, it's going to be tough. There's going to be down days. There's going to be up days. You're going to smile. You're going to cry. 
You're going to hurt. You're going to laugh. But you're going to be okay. Because you're going to do this journey they call life. And we're here to experience it and suck the bone marrow out of life. So when I'm in sitting, when you're sitting on your deathbed and everyone's sitting there, all I want them to say is, damn, that guy looks rough. He had a life. I don't want them to say I look good because if I look good, I didn't do what I was supposed to while I was here on earth with this body and this one life. And I would tell them lastly, make the most of your life. Make the most, whatever your story's supposed to be, it's what it is. You make the most out of it and you do your best and you leave your mark and don't, don't, no regrets. No regrets. There's some things in life that I wish I might have di- went, chose a different course, but I chose the courses I chose and they led me to where they led me. And um, I, you can't look back over spilt milk, you know, because regrets are a negative and they will. They, they, if you let a regret get a hold of you, you can, it can really pull you down into a dark hole. Yeah. It turns into resentment for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, there's a few choices I wish I would have chose differently, but you know, that's not the way I'm still alive. And we have a thing around here. We say, but did you die? <laughs> you didn't die. It worked. Awesome. All right. One more question. So the, the guys that are listening today, that are listening on Apple or Spotify or YouTube or wherever, what is your best advice for them? Mm. Best advice. When you get up in the morning and you look in that mirror and you look yourself, look at yourself and stare deep into your eyes. Look back at yourself within that reflection. I want you, you just stare deep into that eyes. The eyes are the lamps or the, uh, the the gateways to the soul. And look in there deep and what do you see? Do you like what you see or do you not? If you don't like what you see, it is in it is at that very moment once if you don't like what you see, it is on you at that very moment to make a change. And change is an action. If you want to keep doing the same damn thing, you only have yourself to blame. If you don't like what's going on, you make a change. Change is uncomfortable. Change isn't fun sometimes. Change is tough. But if you want to be the best version of yourself, then accept it with love and open arms. And it doesn't matter when it comes. Some of us don't figure out we need to make a change till we're five decades old. But guess what? You can make that change and you can change the course of where you're stepping the moment you leave that reflection in the mirror and that's on you be the best you you can be tell you what i'm glad we had this conversation today because that was really (laughs) that made me feel really good man thank you (laughs) you're welcome And, and again when i roll through life i let spirit guide me and words i speak are wisdom and things i've learned and stuff i have inside of me but a lot of times i'll quickly pray for what message am i supposed to put out for others to hear and that one's I'm putting in my kit back. That was, I thought pretty profound and it came from a part of me inside because I'd not been asked that question before. And I thank you, Josh, for asking it because it even made me, uh, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go in there and look in the mirror. Yeah, that's good stuff. So EJ, let's say our guys that are listening want to connect with you. Uh, I know you've talked a little about your website, so let's let's give them the best way to connect with you and the work that you're doing. Okay. 
So head on over to www.ejsnyder.com. Subscribe to my page. Um, you'll see all kinds of outdoor survival gear there. We're readjusting my uh, web page. It's gone through some versions. We've been hacked. So you, you, when you get there, you might think, oh, I'm walking into a store. And it's not that. It's you're walking into a preparedness place. And there's other little fine things on the bottom. So stay there a while and explore. And all my social media links are there. But we offer live training uh, courses for survival. If you see something that you think, hey, maybe EJ could do this, I motivationally speak, uh, and, and things like that. I do campfire chats. I teach survival. I take you backpacking. I'll come hang out and camp with you. They just have to, you know, we have to clean some of that stuff up. But go to that website. Look around. We've got video training, stuff that can help you out. Uh, we're going to fix it a little bit. Um, there's an about thing about me so you can learn more about me. And all my social media links are there. And, again, very simply, if you go into Instagram, TikTok, X, or Clapper, at EJ Snyder 333 Not half evil, that's just me. 333 is my number. It's actually my birth date um, in angel numerology. Uh, and if you're going to go to Facebook or uh, my YouTube page, it's just flat out EJ Snyder. You'll see a guy that looks something like that right there, uh, so to speak. And they're all blue checked. And, uh, you know, those are the places you can link up with me. And again, I'm doing one minute uh, tutorial videos, but I do other stuff. I'm expanding my uh, my offerings. I'm going to be doing some stuff with Mr. Beast on YouTube pretty soon. And we're going to do a lot of big things are coming up very soon. You're not going to want to miss it. We put out a newsletter, updates all the time. And we'd love to have you over there. And, um, you know, if there's something that most times, if you message me, a lot of times, I'm 99% of the time I'm going to answer you through messaging. Somebody told me I couldn't handle all my messages and I pretty much do other than my Facebook fan page. Cause that one gets a little nutty. It's quite now it's, it's been hacked and hopefully we'll have control of it back in a couple days. So you can find me there or all over your screen at uh, discovery go or discovery plus just look for, you know, naked afraid or dual survival and check it out. Uh, I'm actually uh, in a week, I'm heading out to uh, do a feature film. So I'm moving back into some scripted stuff. So you might start seeing me on the big screen or your TV channel. So um, so that's where you can find me, ejsnyder.com. We'd love to have you. Come on over and uh, hang out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was a big fan of Lost, man. I remember seeing you actually on the show. I uh, didn't know who you were then until I saw. I'm like, oh, I remember that guy. But, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, maybe we can convince him to go back and reshoot that last episode because that was a mess, right? Like, Yeah, it just really, the whole writer's strike yeah. back then was really messed up some things. And uh, they were going to go a certain way. And then that writer's strike caused them to have to move a different way. And, and a lot of the actors were getting offered bigger deals. But because of their way their contracts were structured, they couldn't, they could not, because the way Lost was filming, it was so fluid. All filmed on Hawaii for the most part. A little bit in Australia, a little bit in England. I think uh might have been in Hong Kong once. Mostly every seat filmed on that show is in Hawaii. And it's so hard awesome. to believe. And yeah, uh I, I, it was a great process, a great way to break into acting. The 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 crew and the actors were all like family, and it was amazing uh set to work on. 
Yeah, we love the show. Like I said, just that the end. I'm like, oh man, I would have written that differently. Who? What was the smoke yeah. monster? You know. But other than that, the show was great. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty cool. Like I said, I got involved. Uh, I was doing stunt work for him, tech advising. And I wound up being one of the U.S. Marshals in season three. So every time the marshal was chasing Kate. I was right next to the marshal because I was, you know, this big dude, and I was kicking a door in or doing something like that. And then uh, we were filming the mercenaries' first scene when they get introduced. They snipe Russo and Ben's daughter and her boyfriend. They were moving, and we wind up taking Russo out. And I'm kind of, you know, trying to teach these four North Shore lifeguards with their dreads and everything how to hold a weapon right, how to wear a ghillie suit. Right. And they couldn't, they didn't know which way to hold the weapon. And I'm like talking to, and we had the third director. It wasn't even, it was, we're trying to go on hiatus. They give him the last shot of, of the season. He's freaking out. Cause it's, you know, they don't get to sit in the chair that often. And he's like, I got to get this right. And he's like, EJ, I can't take it anymore. You lead them. You put a ghillie suit on and you're the team leader. You're Bravo team leader. And he looked around he saw this fern on the ground that was red. You're, you're red fern. He looked at the script writer, write this character in there. He's a, Team leader, B team leader, Redfern, DJ, you go, do your thing. And, and so I got done doing that scene. I came out and I was like, man, these guys are a pain in the ass. There's no way we're going to be able to, you know, make these guys believable as they've been all over the world and they're killers. And they're like, and he's like, well, the cast director was up. He's like, well, can you find us some guys? Do you think that would look the part? And I'm thinking I'll start laughing. I was filming another vid, uh, movie, an independent film. I was producer of it, and I'm like, yeah, I think I got a few guys that can help. And I had all these bald, tattooed, muscle jacked, uh, 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 you know, creatine eating guys that were Navy PSD dudes and Marines. And I, and I said, hey guys, I got this thing. You need to take two weeks in the spring. We'll go. We're gonna go be some mercenaries. And they're like, okay. And they showed up, and they're like, wow, these guys are really convincing. And they went over and they got their guns, and they're doing the whole, and then they're filling magazines and they're like walked off and like these guys are really good and i started talking like and yeah, little do you know that's what they do for a living but okay you like them they're like yeah perfect but they're not acting no they're just them you know so but <laughs> i love it you know a lot of things it. about acting i had a director and he was he was all about well some actors they dive in they're acting they're they're, they're doing their work and it takes a process other actors are just behaving like John Wayne was always John Wayne. He was just John Wayne. He was always a cowboy. Always, he's a detective. But John Wayne was always John Wayne. He was just wearing a different hat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that I think that are like that. So that's awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, EJ, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. I'd like to have you on again sometime. So we'll be in touch and set that up down the road. Please, sometime. yeah, I'd love it. It would be amazing. Let's do it again, for sure. Yeah, and everyone yeah, out there can, in America, uh, state, have- you guys – Men be men and stay safe. You know, it's uh, troubling times we're in. It's on you to be prepared because danger and evil will show up at any moment when you least expect it. And if you don't think that the enemy's not already here with an open border like we got and the years this has been going on, they're in your backyard. There's over, I think what they say, over 40 terrorist camps within the United States in 26 different states. So, yeah, be prepared. Always stay safe. Yeah, and not to, and not just the terrorists, man. There's terrorists next door too. You know, you've got the guy that oh, just yeah. 
methed out and in the middle of psychosis and has no idea where he's at or what he's doing. And that guy's dangerous too. So, you know, we do have to be. Yeah, you're right about that. And I'm not trying to just put a finger on the climate of the day, but when it comes to preparedness and, uh, and evil walks in all forms all over. And so, you know, do yourself a favor, stay aware and stay safe. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you for this conversation. I enjoyed it, Josh. We'll see you all next time. EJ, thank you so much for being on the Manlyhood Man cast today. You guys who are listening, remember this movement is not about me and what I have to say. It's not even about the guests. I have some amazing guests, but it's not about them. It's about you becoming the best man that you can be. And I want to appreciate you for working on that because I think that's how we change the world, guys. It's not who we vote for or how we fight in the streets or protest or how we make a giant impact on the world. It's how you live your life. That's where you will see change. You'll see it with your kids. You'll see it with your wife. You'll see it with your neighbors. You'll see it at your workplace and you'll see it in you. If you strive to be all that you can be, that's where you make the real difference. Guys, uh, don't forget about the Manlyhood Man Cave. It's our private Facebook group where you can chime in, join, and connect with other brothers, and uh, we help each other level up there. It's not a group where we bash each other or where we complain about everything. We actually just encourage each other. So I want to invite you to that group. So go on Facebook, type in Manlyhood Man Cave, join the group. You'll have to send a request, and then we will approve you if you are a man. I'd love to have you in the group. Guys, just wanted you to know that I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manlyhood Man Cave. If you want to be a better husband, father, leader, a better man, you need to join our private Facebook group, The Manlyhood Man Cave. Join today. Please help us out with a like, comment, share, and subscribe. And check us out at manlyhood.com.